Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Yo, 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 yo. And joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yep. Happy May 2-4 Victoria Day to all of you. And I was going to say happy uh, Memorial Day as well, but that's not a thing this week for the Americans. That's actually next week. So maybe we will, uh, maybe I'll remember to say that next week, but maybe not. Who knows? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. But on this week's episode, we're going to talk about something that I didn't think was going to happen. Kyle Dubas getting let go from the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is a seismic shift for this organization and uh, definitely not something we talked about last week because it's all kind of broke uh, within days of seemingly Kyle Dubas being still around. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about another manager in a different sport, one John Schneider and what on earth is going on in that man's head. All of that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which of course is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But before we get to all that good stuff, we do want to talk about the better stuff. And that is what's been going on in our lives in the past week. And it is a holiday weekend. We are recording a day early because of the holiday weekend. See, everyone else takes time off. You know, everything else that you listen to or you watch is going to say, you know, everything's coming out a day late this week. No, no. We're doing things a day day early this time, which is not normal. But uh, James, what's going on with you? Dude, I'm, uh, golf season is upon us. So that's why I was asking you. I was being like coy a little bit, asking what your like work hours were. Because I think, you know, for the foreseeable future, I'll, I'll be trying to, to golf on Friday mornings or Friday mid-afternoons, like noon, 1130, uh, with this guy here, with Maddie when he can, when he can jump oh, I in. I can every Friday, really, as long as it's like after 1215. <laughs> so... Um, which is great, man. The course we play in, it's just, it's just nine holes. You can fit if you're, you know, if you're not looking for your ball for three hours, you can finish the course in probably a good two hours uh, with a half decent foursome. Uh, and it's you know, it's just nice to get out there regularly and and work on you know little things in your game that you don't get a chance to unless unless you're you're there out, out often. But, but man, dude, I love I love playing with my brother. My favorite thing about playing <laughs> this dude, this dude, I think it was on the, it was on the seventh hole. This dude cracks out his fairway wood. He goes, "This is my favorite club. <laughs> it's just like, this. Is the, this is my best club. This is my favorite club. Watch this." Steps up there, fucking tops the ball like, and Wait, just. But it it, it went. It, it did. It it almost like. It, it was like, like it, it was, it was like the biggest bowling the pitch. Green. I'm, I'm pretty sure he hit it straight across the grass the entire way, but it must have gone at least 215 yards on the grass, uh, you know. But this dude golfs like he. So when we were younger, and I think he was influenced by Happy Gilmore, he 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 has a very unconventional everything. Like he just steps up and cranks it, and it makes no sense how like at all. But it just it's just always belted. Uh, and it's just, he used to even do the happy Gilmore, like run up and, and crank. He could do it. He could take three or four steps back, run and just pace the ball like 225 yards as if he was, you know, chasing down a pedophile. It was just like, (laughs) boom. 
Have you ever seen those TikToks where the guy's like, you're either good at golf or good at sex? And yeah, then he goes and he tees off and just smokes it. <laughs> that's yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> or what's the other one he says? Where it's like the fat kid. He's like, there's three things I enjoy in life. Uh, what do you say? Like, it's like hitting green, eating vagine. I forget what it is. But it's just this fat kid that clearly does none of the three. Um that one's pretty funny but yeah the dude just has the most unconventional way of uh, when he started of hitting drives and he's turned it into like you know he'd be real good at one of those long drive competitions i don't know like it's weird i can't really control it like i get (laughs) like if i'm just hitting it it'll be like 325 yards 315 yards but no idea where it's going Oh, it's definitely spray and pray for like for this dude. Like, if you put me in Scotland, it would be perfect because it's all fairway, so it's fine. But here, like, if I'm having to actually try and hit it straight, it's going much much shorter. But no, it's it's fun to get out with like Jim and my dad and my uncle every Friday. It's been a long time since like consistently getting out with them for a bit. So, yeah. But anyway, continue your week, Jim. Oh yeah, no, I was saying like I feel like my game came came out of slumber half decent. Started the first yeah. two holes not so bad, uh, and and went all downhill from there. There's something about golf and keeping things consistent. I think it's because the game, unlike any other sport, the game evolves every set. Like the the game changes literally every shot. So you have to there's so much to remember and know and it's just you right so it's it's just a very funny sport that way i don't think it i don't think any other sport has that evolution of of the game itself literally every shot honestly you would probably shooting you shoot in the 80s if you worked on your putting yeah my putting is atrocious actually my second irons are atrocious my second irons are like second shot is is just downright terrible which used to be what i was good at and now I'm not good at it, and that's the game, right? Like, I can't seem to balance all the shots that I have to do to, to put together a good game. And I would love to be, you know, a 90s golfer. I'm probably a buck 15, buck 20 now. But if I could get into the 90s, and it's just silly things. Like, you do it, and the, say, the one shot you make and you fuck it up, the next hole you'll, you'll have a shot that's almost identical, and you'll make it, and you'll be like, why can't I fucking do that the last hole? And it just doesn't work you know i think you need a new putter too because that is an old putter is is weird because it's it's not and for dustin can see it but it's not like this it's like that yeah i think it's slightly slightly slanted is what maddie's trying yeah and it's just i don't know every time from the top of the head of the putter to like yeah because my putts he was saying my putts seem to hop and I think like, it's because it comes up like three inches on contact and then goes and like, it's fine to get a little bit of up on it, but that's almost too much. What you do need is just a golden miniature hockey stick and that will <laughs> solve your problem. I mean, I can't really talk cause I golf right, but I putt left. I could have sworn when we were younger, hanging out at golf town, seeing putters with the hockey stick head on them. I thought it, that was, was real. it was branded for each team 
and it was a full hockey stick except the top of it where the puck grip was was narrow so like you actually did hold it a little further down the shaft like you would a hockey stick but the top of it was handled like a hockey stick or like a putter yeah that was uh that was cool i always thought like watching happy gilmore and seeing that i always thought that that would become a thing i guess i was just like young and naive uh, obviously no fucking golfers gonna be like well that's a good idea but you watch this, it this, when you're 12 13 you're like that's amazing this huntington beach collection putter is a hundred dollars right now on golf <laughs> this guy's shopping on the podcast well, how much how, or i should say how much how badly would you want a top golf in canada pretty i i would want it but the problem is i think top golf only goes to 250 yards yeah. Well, I don't know about just having the <laughs> the distance. That wasn't my concern. I think it's more just seems like a fun thing to do. No, it it is. But like I said, is if you want to drive the ball like and hit like so for me the furthest target if it's like two hundred and thirty five yards like I'll like I can sail that net no problem. That's the thing is okay. That's the other thing that I have with like TikTok is when you see these guys at like Top Golf. And they're just cranking the ball like, oh, I got kicked out. I'm like, it's only 250 yards. Like, yeah, it doesn't. I don't. There's no context. Right. There, there shouldn't be dudes who are like half drunk smoking <laughs> balls into the freeway. Like you probably need a bigger facility then because there's no way these guys are pro golfers. Right. No, no, not at all. No. Okay. So the back netting yeah okay so they can get fucked okay i just went to the top golf website and so all these fucking clowns that are like oh, i got kicked out of golf town because i'm going over the net and they don't like it it's 215 yards but i'll do that with my fucking five iron <laughs> that's you funny. know like th this is why i hate and then people in the comments are like whoa watch this guy like i have smash his ball he's not like that's a duffed four iron for me so maybe and okay, so we don't have top golfs in Canada. So you, so none of us have been to a top golf, I assume. Right? No. Uh no. Okay. It's possible. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it's possible at Top Golf, they might just be handing out three irons. Being like, here, hit a ball around for a while and then go to the bar and have drinks. Like, I don't think the purpose of going to Top Golf is like bringing your woods out and smashing the ball as far as you can. Maybe it is. I don't know. I haven't been there, but like I wonder if that's the case where they don't necessarily give you the tools to do something like that. And these guys are showing up with their own custom clubs and they're smoking. Well, I think you're allowed to bring your own shit. Like, I think they're just like, okay, yeah, you can bring your own stuff, but we have clubs here and, you know, I don't yeah, know. One man. of the pictures on their website shows a girl uh, standing. Yeah. Well, yes, that too. But it shows her standing uh, on the tee box and she has a one wood in her hand. So never mind. They're, well, <laughs> they're definitely encouraging you to drive the ball as hard as you can. So, yeah. See, <laughs> so like I'm looking at it. It says step four, crush it. Use our complimentary clubs or your own and take aim at the giant outfield targets and our high end tech balls will score themselves. Like crush it. Okay. Like if, they, if these are just a bunch of people that are like, hey, I'd like to try this. It's fantastic. If you're someone who's going out there for internet clout and just smashing a ball, like, buddy, it's 215. That's not anything <laughs> that, like, anybody who golfs, that's not a lot. Right. But I don't, again, I don't think the purpose of going to Top Golf is 
No, that's the point. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, well, there's a little bit because the targets are very much like you can work on saying, hey, this one's about 50 yards out and you can say I'm working on it and you can actually track to see, you know, your relative distance to the target. I play top golf, top golf on MetaQuest. Yeah, I do that. The MetaQuest Pro, it's fun. But um, what's it called? It, you know, this week was also the PGA. This week it was also the PGA Championship. And uh, I want to play something funny for you guys because I don't know if you heard it. Because uh, Brooks Kepka Mike, oh, was asked about block. No, um, he was asked about guys playing slow. Have you heard this, Maddie? No, I want oh, to. I like Kepka's. Like, so Kepka was uh, so in, in the presser was asked about guys playing slow, and this was his answer. Okay, one sec. I think it is a problem. I mean, technically in the rule book, it says you got 40 shots or 40 seconds to your shot, or I think it's what it is. Um, and if you're taking over, technically you're breaking the rules, right? So I don't know. How would you fix it? Uh, honestly, I'd start stroking guys. If you're going to take that long, you got to get stroked. Doesn't matter if you're, um, I mean, there's certain circumstances where, you know, the wind switches, something like that. It's understandable, but, you know, taking, taking a while is, um, I just think unnecessary. But it, it, if the response is stroking guys, I'd be taking seven minutes to hit my shot. Oh, there's, <laughs> just be, I'm getting stroked. Yeah, guys, someone's got to come stroke me. I'm taking too that's long. A, that's a different game altogether, I think. Yeah. I don't, I but mean, no, I know what he's saying, but like, dude, you got to yeah. understand sometimes how what you say, the internet is a thing now, and everything you say lives forever, not in the way you intended on the internet. So I just thought that was funny. I'll say this though, like there's some guys though on tour, like Patrick Cantley, who it's like a minute and a half, two minutes to hit the ball. It's bad. And, and there's the kid at the Masters who's the amateur. And so like they all kind of gave him a break for it because they're like, look, you're in the final two, three groupings at the Masters. You're an amateur. You're like 19, 20. Like we get it. But they even said, you know, as he moves on in his golf career, He's going to learn, have to learn how to speed that shit up. I'll say this. And it's like, I'm not trying to like be full of myself, but Jim can attest to this. I'm zero time on the tee. Yeah. He takes, like, I don't even know if he takes a practice swing. He just goes up there and hits it. It's like one or two stretches, just like a little like approach to the ball, one backswing just to kind of get the line and then gone. I just, that's, I hate, I hate the slow golfers. It drives me nuts. Doesn't you just laughed at what's on What's that? So, <laughs> because he mentioned stroking dudes, I'm like, so I, wonder, <laughs> I said, I wonder if there's like a golf subculture like in the world of Pornhub, right? So I just I of go to the search bar and I type in golf. I'm just curious, like, what the weirdest videos have come up, right? <laughs> and I'm looking at, it, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why is any of this golf? Like, this doesn't. And it autocorrect me to gilf. <laughs> <laughs> So like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but hilariously, like the third video in is about Top Golf. So there you go. It's a, it's a, there's if if you think there is a thing, there's there's a thing. Just I think that's <laughs> wasn't the, that one of the rules of the internet? If it exists, there's porn of it. Yeah, like if you can think of it, there's porn of it. Well, speaking of uh, porn, Maddie, what did Wait you do a this second. weekend? That means there's porn of this podcast <laughs> somewhere. Well, like Jim saw more of a weekend. That was just Friday. No, oh, that's okay. it. I'm now stuck on the fact that there's probably porn of this podcast somewhere. I mean, there could be. 
Yeah, just two white guys ganging on a brown dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two white brothers. <laughs> <laughs> two brothers, yeah. So that would that would play really well, actually. If it's, <laughs> I bet you that's been searched. Two white brothers ganging on a brown dude. That's definitely been searched. They're like, that, that's a Thursday in Brampton. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you also went to the J game yesterday. Oh yeah, I did go to the J game. Um. I don't. So hold on. Before you get into that, let's reserve baseball for the okay, portion we'll, of the show where we're talking okay, about baseball. Okay. But I want to hear like non-baseball things about your trip, if there um, was any. Yeah, my first time at the new stadium. I don't. I resent kind of how they like. I get what they did, but I resent how they did it. I walked past the catch bar, and the fact that the music they've done it in a way that the music takes over everything and the game doesn't apply almost. Do you know what I mean? Hold on. There is music at catch or you're talking about up top at Corona catch catch had music too. Yeah. They were playing like the weekend was playing and it kind of, they've done it in a way that it isolates all the other sounds out. So you feel like you're just in the bar and I don't like that, man. I, I, you're not growing the game. You're growing the experience of the game, but not the game itself. And I think, I don't know if I believe in that as, as uh, a business model for those types of things. Um, we had pretty good seats. I, I thought everything else feels cleaned up. It still just looks like a hunk of concrete. And that's, to me, that's a big problem, you know? Um, and even the interior, like, the adjustments they made after about half an hour wore off on me. I didn't even notice them after 20 minutes, half an hour. So while I get the practical appeal might be there for someone who's going up to park social or whatever, the aesthetic appeal didn't really have like a lasting impact on me. <clears throat> so th- that was kind of that. And like there were some sp- dude, the world's got. To, I know inflation's a thing. I, I want to buy a Jay's hoodie. It was one hundred nineteen dollars. Mm. Fuck mm. off. Mm. DH gate that shit. I'm not. Okay. I'm not doing it. So I'm glad you brought up inflation, and it's not just inflation. Like a team has increased prices and everything. Did you see the article in the Toronto Star that came out like last night or today or whatever that was? No, it was posted or updated five minutes or five hours ago. It came out today. <laughs> okay, so the article is about. This family that's owned season tickets to the Maple or Maple to the Blue Jays since 1977, and they were there obviously in exhibition, and they've been in the same seats at the Rogers Center since it opened in 1989. They got their renewal, their their rep reached out recently about their seats next year, and it's a part of the renovation that's happening next year. Like they're right behind home plate. Their ticket prices just went up $122,000. $122,000. Is that Blue Jays Nona? It is not, but I imagine she would be victim to this as well. They said last fall when they re- uh, renewed their seats for the 46th time, the finals numbers came in at $15,000 for the pair of tickets, $7,500 per seat for a total of 81 games. That works out to an average of $92.59. After uh, after following up with their Jays account representative, Gamesters, which I believe is their last name, so the, the Gamesters family, 
said they were told the cost to renew for similar tickets next year would be $68,500 per seat, a total of $137,000 for the pair, which works out to $845 per ticket per game or $1,600 for the pair. So they went from paying $15,000 to $137,000. It went they're up 100%. Turning this shit into the Maple Leafs, man. That's, that's, that's what, what they're, they're doing. doing. And yet they've had arguably less success, which is a low bar than the Leafs have had. It's, it's unfortunate that they can't see the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? These people have been here since 1977. At this point, I'd be writing those people checks to be at those games. Do you know what I mean? For their loyalty through some atrocious teams that this, this organization has fielded. Do you know like what I mean? It's literally the exact same issue that people are having in their apartment buildings. Like they're being renovated. They I've are heard this, yeah. The the uh landlord is coming in and doing a bunch of renovations and now if you want the same apartment again, we're going to charge you 100 times the price. Like that's that's insanity. Yeah. That's stupid. And that and who can afford that? The people who can afford that are going to be the ones who are corporate seats, right? So you're going to see all those seats empty. It, right behind home plate, especially if the Blue Jays oh. continue to play like they're playing right now. On you're going to see a lot of empty seats down there. It'll be paid for. Cool. They'll make more money. I don't know, man. Yeah. It is, I think trying to apply that logic to a, a sport that plays 82 games, some in the afternoon, on weekends, some at night, like there's no... there's no real standardization to that shit is the wrong way to go. Like, And I... Baseball, more than any other sport, should be trying to tackle the family aspect. More than any other sport. And you're going the opposite direction. And it's kind of embarrassing. Like, I'm embarrassed for the the Blue Jays that that's even a thing. Well, it actually, the sad thing is, like, if you compare it to the rest of the league, it's in line with everyone else is doing. It's not like the Blue Jays are exclusively the, the people that are doing this. Like, if you go to a Yankees game and you want to sit like right behind home plate a few rows up or whatever like you're you're paying exactly what the blue jays are gonna be charging cool. next year you're not the yankees nope but you're you want to be in terms of how much money they make and you know how much success they've had right that's like but. the dude who buys the top tier skates but can't skate like okay cool you look cool but it doesn't it's not doing anything for you again if they don't do you think do you, honest to god do you think corporations are buying those seats Yes. Really? Yeah. I absolutely. mean, for a hundred thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's peanuts too. Like we think of hundred thousand dollars like a lot of money, but if you're a a company that revenue is in the billions every year, like, like TD ma- makes like three billion a quarter. I guess yeah. A quarter. <laughs> I guess they use it just to give away to clients right. or exactly yeah or like they do contests they do giveaways and shit like that right like like what was it here i'm gonna google this what was td's quarter and for context td is the one that is a big sponsor of the blue jays and they have those in the action seats and all that so they would get first right of refusal for all this these sort of things or like i shouldn't say they get the first right to it but like they would get the first call if if i was an account manager an early call yes yeah like i'm going right to the the 
partners that we have oh, that dude, have the, the other, biggest pockets. The other thing that was funny was they did that contest about like guessing something, and the winner got a hundred or five hundred dollars WestJet credit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, good luck using it. There, Toronto Dominion Bank reported adjusted net income of four point one five billion for twenty twenty three's first quarter, compared to three point eight three the same time last year, with adjusted diluted earnings per share rising two dollars and twenty three cents from Q one to Q- figure to two point oh eight. The beauty so, of interest four, rates. Four billion a quarter. That's beauty of interest rates. Mm-hmm. But like, you're right though. Like, if you're think of it like this, don't. And that's the thing is when you look at a company like TD, it's not or Scotiabank or RBC or CIBC or anything like that. The reason you buy those tickets and people are like, well, what clients do they have? It's a lot of that is going to be grounded into corporate um, investment banking. Investments. Yeah. Like, so like TD hand trying to lure a client or CIBC trying to lure a client to, you know, have them be the bank of their corporate stock trades and investments and things like that, right? To get them to be the investment banker for them. So it's a lot of shit like that. Granted, those people that have the money to do that, I mean, I don't think they'll necessarily be enticed by being like, hey, let's sit behind home plate for the Jays, right? Like that's not... I don't know. It depends unless the guy's a huge Jay's head. Right. But I don't know. I just think it's stupid. Imagine being Reno evicted from a baseball game. Like to me that, ugh, this is greasy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They were told like, you can get, you know, different seats at a different price if you want, but it's like, man, that's gotta suck. Like those, those tickets were in your family for 46 years. And now it's just like, nope, not anymore. Sorry. You're too poor now. You're too poor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry there's try, more money in the last 46 years try tfc Oof. oh that's not on the it's, list of things to talk about but you know god what, damn though? that team sucks yeah you know, know what though but anyway they suck so jim but mls i'm telling you man you, you don't think those tickets are gonna rise in price soon the the new san diego franchise in mls got as much as an nhl franchise for expansion so if you don't think oh, something MLS, else we probably should add to the, the list of topics as well of like where we think the coyotes end up but nevertheless <laughs> well, I'm sure but we'll san diego got a franchise for mls for the same price as an nhl franchise so if you don't think mls is going to be on the rise even more in the next decade then you're oh, it already mistaken. Yeah. it's already considered like the number four or whatever in the united states at least like the nhl has dropped off entirely yeah but, but yeah so yeah j game how was it other than no, we'll talk baseball when we get there. Okay. Maddie? A lot of Zelda, to be honest. <laughs> I haven't played in a week. <laughs> okay, like, it is it is it is distraction city. Like, you have pins, you have stamps, you have all these things you can do, but the second you go up one of the towers and start flying around, you see something, you're like, and you're like, oh, well, I'll go to that because I know the thing I'm actually going to is going to be there forever. And then you check shit out, right? Like the, it's an insane amount of things to discover, to do, and to find in that game that it's just, it's mind boggling. It's, it's unreal. It's a lot of fun. Um, other are than you, that, are you playing it handheld or docked? Docked. Interesting. Okay. Why? I haven't docked it once. I've played it exclusively handheld. Oh, you're not into docking? I mean, if the situation arises, I'll dock every so often. <laughs> it's okay. 
hey, that's your journey. It's okay. But two um, brother, two white brothers, Doc a brown guy. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a I hub. Feel like there's too many parts to make that happen. But yeah, okay. I know. Right? <laughs> Says but you. Other than that, dude. Um, one of the reasons we're recording today, and this is my frustration. Ah, I didn't know if we we're gonna talk about this. Oh, we'll fucking talk on. about it because I'm so tilted. Ah, um, you are. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Actually, okay, go on. Sorry. I have to go to a wedding tomorrow. Not only is it, hold on, no, it gets better. Not For only context, is it, this is Sunday night. Yes, now we're is, recording. Yeah. So the holiday Monday, I have to go to a wedding. It's the long weekend. The first nice one of the year, and it's in fucking Niagara. Do you know how long it's going to take me to get home? Oh, the yeah. Fr- the first nice long week. Like, if I leave at 9 o'clock, I'll be lucky to be home by 1. So, take me through this. What time is the wedding? And there's a reception, I presume. And the, pre- the reception is the same day. So, they're both happening on Monday. So what fuck man i hate when people do stuff like this this is this is worse because like usually what i'm thinking bad wedding ideas is like oh let's do it on a sunday and you're like fuck you guys like every, the problem with doing stuff like on, on a, a day where everyone has to go to work the next like a day where everyone right. has to go to work the next day people end up leaving like after dinner because so that's what we're doing the yeah. second we're done eating it's irish goodbye hundred percent because it's it's granted it's not my like side it's like the wife's friend and it's like the last one of her like close group of friends that's getting married um like i was so 50 50 and being a kid sick we can't go (laughs) but you know because it's the last one of her friends getting married it's like we we probably should i just think it's just like like 70 percent of the people are coming from outside of niagara do you know what I mean? And it's just like, do they live in Niagara? No, they live in Toronto downtown. What the fuck? Right. Do so, they grow up in Niagara? No. So, and and that's my frustration because like I I'm very aware that you know it's your wedding. You can't concern yourself with other people. But when you do it on a long weekend and you do it on a long weekend Monday, like you have to. I don't know. Part of me like I I wouldn't even entertain that. I'd be like, we're doing it a different weekend. Do you know what I mean? Because like you can't, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing for weddings. If it was up to me and if I was writing the rule book of when weddings are allowed to happen, never long weekends. No, that's just not fair. As- if you're doing a long weekend, especially not the Monday, like there, you should never have a wedding where the next day you have to go to work right. or get up in the morning or the vast majority of people have to go to work. Right. It's, Unless you just and don't intend on having like a big party for your wedding, you just want to have a dinner and tell everyone to fuck off, and then fine. But like, if it was me, like I would have it on a Saturday night. Yeah, like, like that wouldn't have been too bad, or even the Sunday night, because at least like you're coming back. I on still the- avoid long weekends altogether. Yeah, and I, and I, I don't think I would be like as frustrated if we didn't have the kid and I didn't have to work the next day. Do you know what I mean? And well, yeah, and you wouldn't have to work the next day if it was a Saturday night, right? But then it's like in Niagara, like the first nice long weekend of the year, like I said, it's tra- like everyone's going to milk their stay in Niagara for as long as possible. It's going to take me forever to get home. The second I hit the 407, I'm, it's 150 the whole way. I would have my wedding at a casino, the Pickering Casino. <laughs> the and Blue then, Heron? 
Yeah, no, the actual new Pickering Casino. Oh, okay. And then I would have a rule where the house, like being the wedding people, get twenty five percent of everyone's winnings. Interesting. That's my... ridiculous. Why? That's our gift. It's true. Wait, hold on. Don't bring no. don't bring a monetary gift and just gamble it. Yeah. And then what gamble. Take... Okay, hold on. What if we lose money? Do you have to uh, reimburse us? No, that's your fault. But then you don't pay for the hall. Yeah. Or you don't pay for the venue, right? So like you yeah. work at a deal where you don't pay for the venue, you have your wedding there, and you work out with the casino saying 25% of everything or even 20% from what we Dude, contribute here comes to us. Half the time, oh, not half the time, more than half the time you go to a wedding, it's like $100 a plate. So... Dude, $100 a plate? It's like 150 now. Yeah. Inflation, so, bro. Exactly. Exactly. So now I'm taxing you. <laughs> I'm taxing you at my wedding. Twenty five. So hold points. on. Am I paying the hundred or hundred and fifty dollars no. a plate, and no. then I'm getting taxed twenty five percent of my earnings? So no. Most people say that you're supposed to give a gift equal to your plate ish, right? Yes. So I'm saying don't do that. Just gamble away. Leave it to chance, and whatever you whatever you win, I get twenty five points. So if you win five thousand dollars, I get like twelve fifty. What if I win ten bucks? Then I get two dollars and fifty cents. Seems like a horrible idea. You're gonna have to invite a lot of people who are uh, a degenerate gamblers and b very lucky. My, my plan is just to invite a, a ton of like super degenerate gamblers. Yes, sharks. There was another TikTok trend I saw recently that the, these people are like, we're getting married, so we just looked up celebrities the, like, and the rich people i got that yeah, today celebrities and rich people in their area and like they just sent them invitations and see what and happens you got like, gifts you're just hoping that like their assistant sees it and thinks it's like someone they actually know so like oh fuck it let's write him a check for you know, 150 bucks or whatever i saw that celebrities were sending signed like adam sandler sent the guy a signed picture the a rich family like actually started emailing with him because they thought it was funny and they gave him a gift like some people send dinner gift cards like because they appreciate, like, I guess the nutsack to do it. Yeah. Yo, I would totally, like, I should have just done that. Just every, right. like, Toronto athlete and celebrity. Ryan Reynolds. John Morant sends, sends you a gun. John Morant <laughs> shows up, gives me a, like, Smith a and Wesson. hand-etched Colt 45 with, like, <laughs> 10 silver bullets in a case. Right. Why not? Congratulations but, on your wedding. But, yeah, that's my weekend plus going into tomorrow so enjoy I, sir the one thing i said is like you know what though if i have to do this i'm wearing jordans so i'm wearing jordans to the wedding there you go pop I'm off the, the after party at the have the reception at the sundowner <laughs> yo could you imagine i'd be like hey a fantastic egg bar <laughs> uh so i'm aware the sundowner is that the uh, strip club over there oh stop no, like I've been to the strip club once in my life. I just don't know the name of it. Like a strip club once in your life or that one? That one once in my life. Okay, yes, it is the one, the famous one. That and the one that has like another club like right beside it, right? Yeah, We've talked never, about this on this yes, show before. You never okay. go to that one. That's the, the right. uh, that's like the C-Squad. You never do that. Exactly, but that's the crowd control one. Marshawn Lynch, my buddy, saw him there once. 
they were playing. Say your buddy was Marshawn Lynch. I'm like, no, what? <laughs> no, my buddy saw Marshawn Marshawn Lynch at the Downer once. Um, I guess that makes sense because he played for the Bills, right? So it wouldn't yeah, be that so far to get to. A lot, a lot of the guys that come in when they play in Buffalo because they usually get in there like the week or like four days early. Guys will go across the border, go to the Downer. So yeah, he's like, there's just stacks of cash there. Jeez. Yeah. But anyway, <sighs> Dustin, your week. Well, I did it. I challenged myself to watch a Fast and Furious movie every day for like 10 straight days. I guess 11 if you count today, because I saw Fast 10 today. And look, I was saying this to James before we started recording. I don't know if it was IGN, but I think it was IGN. There was a review I saw out there in the ether, and it said like 5 out of 10 for Fast 10. I was like, what? How can this movie be that bad? And then I went into it today and I was like, that was a perfectly fine, enjoyable Fast and Furious movie. And I think when it comes to ranking movies and giving ratings and stuff like. I don't think you it's almost apples and oranges, even though they are movies, it's comparing this movie to the next Chris Nolan movie. it's, It's like a completely different scale. It's. The next Chris Nolan movie I expect will be a nine or a ten out of ten because this is what he does. Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer, yeah, that's the next one coming this summer. Looks cool. Um, I mean, big Nolan. The guy. cast is weird to me. Like normally, Chris Nolan has like a lot of his people in all of his movies, right? I just don't see like I'll, I don't think I've seen anyone. Like I'll go through the, the Killian Murphy. Later. He's been in a lot of Nolan movies. That might be the only one though. Like I feel like it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is. I don't think that it's fair to judge Fast and Furious on the same scale as you're judging a Chris Nolan film. And I suppose if you're using all the same scale, then yeah, maybe it deserves 5 out of 10, but that might mean that the best Fast and Furious movie deserves a 5.5 out of 10. So Imagine being like, okay, what's better? Fleetwood Max Rumors or Guns N' Roses User Illusion 2? Like they're, they're two completely different albums. And they're like they're not in any way inherently related, and it's some like might say Compton or uh, <laughs> Nirvana's Nevermind. It's like right. these are not completely the different things. So, for reference, Killian Murphy is in it. He's a uh, he's an Olin guy. Uh, Gary Oldman's in it. He's an Olin guy. Um, Kenneth Branagh's in it. He's been in a couple of Nolan guys. Yo, the cast for this is actually pretty insane. When you look at the cast that's listed mm-hmm. on IMDb as like the top cast. Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Puy, Jack Quaid, Gustav Skarsgård, Josh Hartnett, right? Randy but Malick, like, Gary if you Oldman. just look, at, but if you look at just the top, whoa, yeah. okay, skip Josh over Hartnett? Murphy, but like Emily Blunt, I don't remember ever being in a Chris Nolan movie. I could be wrong, but I don't remember. Matt Damon, I'm fairly certain was never in a Chris Nolan movie. RDJ certainly was never in. Like these are the big names off the top on IMDb, and none of them in a Chris Nolan movie. Before. Did you say Josh Hartnett? Yeah. And Fuck, Jack man. Wade for some they, unknown reason. Figured out how to raise the dead. Yeah, I know. But you know what? I will say, no, like Nolan to me is becoming the new Scorsese. Not necessarily in terms of content, but how he operates. Like he does one film like every like five to ten years kind of thing. And when he does, it's massive. And a lot of it is rehashed actors that he this is also probably him two things one a lot of his people were probably either busy or whatever 
Although apparently a lot of them would drop whatever they're doing to work with Nolan, but contractually you can't do that. But this is also probably him restocking the cupboard. Yeah, maybe. Right. Like trying to get new blood in there. So like his next, you know, two or three films will all have Florence Pugh in it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But like rarely does a Nolan film miss. Like the only one that I honestly didn't see was Dunkirk because I just, I, I have no really interest in the- See, I have no interest in like the war, like World War Two and World War One and shit like that. This I have interest in because even though it takes place World War Two, obviously, the creation of the atomic bomb is fascinating because you could argue it was like one of the worst things, one of the worst discoveries in human history. I'm excited for it. I am. And Fast Ten was very enjoyable. It okay, Fast and Furious to me. And I think I've tried to explain this to a number of people who like usually shit on it. I'm like, guys, what's your tent pole for Fast and Furious? Like, what do you when you hear Fast and Furious? Like, what do you think? And a lot of people think like the first three movies, Tokyo Drift or yeah. And Tokyo Drift being the third one. And it's a completely different series after four. Like they became something in between Avengers and Ocean's Eleven, where it's a heist movie and they're superheroes now and it has weird rules in their universe. Like if you fall off a 50 foot building, as long as you land on top of a car, you will be perfectly safe. And they have continued that trend through every single movie that someone will fall off something high and land on a car and be okay. Dude. It's like, is this a whole bunch of stupid shit? You just have to like accept it is basically professional wrestling. And I think that's why yeah. I like it because Dude. there are people that like go away and they're spectacle. written off. And then all of a sudden they're back and they're like, they're back it's, from the dead. And you're like, it's okay, a spectacle, man. Cool. Everything, and I have can, amnesia, but now I don't have amnesia. It's a soap opera. It's an, you can it's an action movie. And there's so many wrestlers in it too. And I think that's why I like it as well. Like Ronda Rousey, the rock was in a bunch of them. Um, John, Cena. who am I missing? John Cena. And I feel like there's a fourth one. Who am I missing? It doesn't matter. Um, also, Alan Richson is in this movie in fast 10. Who I wasn't overly familiar with. And like when he came on screen for a second, I thought he was Wardlow. I'm like, oh, that's why Wardlow cut his hair. But no, it's just it's actually a, a real actor. So nevertheless, I enjoyed it. It was a good time. And I think it's time to move on to something else that's a good time. Saving some money. That's a good time. Because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now your treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the U.S. and U.K., which include artists from all over the world. Visit now your treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com, and remember, head over to Now Your Treasures on Instagram when it comes back up. I know Instagram's been down all day. Send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. The Toronto Maple Leafs front office is about 43% less um, employed than <laughs> it was last time we uh, discussed this, you know, this team. What a whirlwind of a couple days. So, Especially if you like 43% raises. Oh, that's another thing. We don't have all the details of exactly what happened, but I feel like we have enough details to like have fill in the side. gaps of what probably happened here. We have a side. Yeah, that's a good point. We have uh, the Maple Leaf side of the story. 
So we last recorded on Monday and we were talking about, you know, you know, there's a, a press conference coming with uh, actually, no, the press conference just happened with Kyle Dubas and and I don't know if Sheldon Keefe was there or not, but Dubas was um, in the press conference. Certainly. And that was like the day as we were recording. So we were still like digesting a lot about what happened. And Dubis had said that he was, you know, taking some time to decide what he wants to do. This season was hard on his family. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And he made it clear that he didn't want to take a job anywhere else. A general manager job, at least. He said, I want to be the general. If I'm going to be a general manager of an NHL team, it's going to be here. He didn't want to go anywhere else. Okay. But at the same time, he was also like hesitant of saying whether he was going to be here next year because he had to discuss with his family, which all seems reasonable to a point. Like, I'm not married. I don't know what it's like. I don't have children. I don't know what it's like. But I presume that any major life decision is probably going to be a, you know, a collaborative effort of, hey, do we want to do this again? And if we do, like, okay, great. Like, X amount of dollars are coming in and we can blah, blah, blah. You know, like family shit. It makes sense. That was Monday. And then on Friday of the long weekend in the afternoon, Brennan Shanahan comes out of hiding and says that they are no longer interested in re-signing or no longer interested in bringing Kyle Dubas back to be general manager of Toronto Police. And everyone's like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> what the hell just happened in the past three days? Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then all of a sudden... Kyle Dubas is gone. And then what I also found funny was, and I'm jumping ahead here, but I, I found it funny that um, there was, Jason Spezza had tendered his resignation as well. And I don't remember what, who tweeted it, so I won't even uh, accuse anybody. But like the way the tweet was written was, this was tendered yesterday. This didn't have anything to do with the press conference. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you think this is the first time these people heard about this? Like, people within the organization were told what Shanahan was going to do before he went out there and did it. I <laughs> assume that... And that was pretty much confirmed on when Shanahan, like, broke down the entire week and said, okay, this is where I was thinking Monday, this is what happened here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And by Thursday, I had made up the, my decision to not... Uh, essentially pull the contract offer to Kyle Dubas. And then I assume at that point is when Dubas told Spezza, and Spezza said, okay, tomorrow morning I'll just hand him my resignation. Like all, like all this, thing, all these things line up perfectly for me. So, if you're unaware of what Shanahan said, briefly to describe the situation, a contract offer was given to Kyle Dubas like weeks ago, and so that was something that none of us, I don't think, were uh, we were officially aware of. Yeah, we should roll. We should roll that back, like loosely. Okay. He was told at the end of last season he wouldn't be getting a contract offer because he was going to be judged on his full five years. Right. And then at the trade deadline, Shanahan had said something to the effect of, we've seen enough to want to tender you a contract and start negotiations. And Kyle said something to the effect of he didn't want to have it a distraction into the playoffs and whatever. And they, they at that point... Shanahan had respected that and they kind of left it there. So then fast forward to the end of the Maple Leaf season and Shanahan and team offer a new contract to Kyle Dubas. And he didn't sign it. 
and then I don't know. So that's these are, these are the things that we don't know. We don't know what was said between Dubis and Shanahan between the time or at, at any time really. So we know the contract was offered, and we know Dubis didn't sign it. And then at the press conference, Dubis had made it seem like he's still unsure whether he wanted the job. So, in a sense, I understand where Shanahan is coming from, where he's looking at his calendar. He's looking at his watch. Like, we have a lot of shit to do, and we have a lot of shit to do now. So if you're not in, if you're not 100% in, the team has to start looking elsewhere. So on the Wednesday and Thursday, I, I think from the way Shanahan explained it, that's when he started considering moving on and finding someone else to be the general manager of this team. And I don't know if he has found anyone else, but maybe by the time this episode airs, they've announced that they've found someone. I don't know. And then by Thursday, so the day before the press conference that Shanahan had, Kyle Dubas's agent had sent over a... Late Thursday night. Fuck. Late Thursday night. Kyle Dubas's agent sent over a revised, a counteroffer, we'll say. And at that point, Dubas made contact with Shanahan personally over email of saying, yes, I'm in. I, I want to be here. And, you know, his agent sent over an, a, a, a counterproposal. We don't, yeah, we don't know which one came first. Because I think that, like, context changes if Dubas says, I want to be in, and they get an offer, or they get an offer, and then Dubas says, I want to be in. I think it's, I don't, I don't know what came first there, but I think something i think the tone changes a little bit right and i think there's a it sounds like there's a huge breakdown in communication here because dubis said according to shanahan that he was going to deal with this contract situation exclusively with his agent so at that point dubis and shanahan aren't having conversations about at least a contract situation at all because he has to go through the agent to do this and i'm saying the agent's a good idea or bad idea i'm just saying that's the way they chose to handle this situation. And then when the, the, offer, the counteroffer came back, whether it happened before the email or after the email, I, it sounds like the way Shanahan was explaining the situation, that he had already been considering other people and he probably had already made up his mind. And seeing the counteroffer probably was the uh, nail in the coffin. Yeah, because it was rumored that that counteroffer was... Okay, so the rumor was that they offered him between about $4 million a season. I think. Am I correct on that? I saw the $4 million number around. I was unclear. I think it said like $4 million in in a five-year contract or whatever. And change. I was unclear if that meant $4 million per year. I would be per. Or that meant or that meant four million dollars over five years and it's divided by five. I don't know. I think it's I think it's per. I don't think he gets nine hundred thousand I would hope so. Yeah. And then apparently his counter offer was somewhere in the neighborhood of seven million dollars a year. I heard six to seven, yeah. So maybe. So here here's my issue. First of all, I think you hit the nail on the head. They have a lot to do. Like when Shanahan said on Tuesday night, after he heard Dubas's press conference, which he had advised Dubas not to talk, and Dubas said he wanted to talk to the media, the alarm bells going off, I, I totally sympathize with that. I don't think you can sit there and watch the guy who's supposed to be leading your team go, well, maybe, 
I don't know. Like, I get the family thing totally. But, and that's fine. And I'm not discounting the family piece. But from an organizational side, you, you can't. You can't be half in. No, especially with what this team has experienced in the last five years. Yeah. Like, all they've been is half in. And it and it's just a more of that. And I think if you're Brendan Shanahan, you can't like you can't accept that. So I don't I don't blame him for having the alarm bells. And then when you get a contract counter, if you say family and then three days pass and three million dollars extra solves your family problems, to me I'm starting to go, now fuck your like that's not your family. No, you don't solve greedy. your family issues in three days and three million dollars. So here's the thing I, I wonder. I don't Sometimes, and this is like a significantly less amount of money, but sometimes when I'm offered to do an announcing gig in God knows where Ontario for a fair show that's going to be in front of 15 people, and I'm like, yeah, pay me, you know, a lot more than what I normally charge. It's the, like it's the fuck you more. fee. You big league them, right? And yeah. you highball them, and they're going to say no. It's and you say, goalie. okay, well, yeah. you know, didn't work out. Yeah. I wonder if that was the case with Kyle. I don't know. I think a lot of it comes down to, yes, the money thing. I think, you know, as a lot have talked about autonomy, I think it's a mix of things. I definitely think the dude overplayed his hand. Like, I think he bluffed and they called him on it and he's like, shit. You know, like, I don't think he really wanted to be anywhere else, to be honest. Like, I think he wanted to be here. Um, and I think he was like, given everything... You know, I'm sure he legitimately had some, you know, family concerns with how everything went. We know what sports fans can be like, like the really shitty ones. And I'm sure, you know, his family had to suffer because of that. And he's just like, look, because of that, I want more, which I mean, is fair. But if he had just made that as part of the discussion, I'm sure they could have found a common ground and been like, okay, cool. Instead of literally Thursday night, and not even calling to or sending an email be like, hey, are you around? Can I give you a call? Can we discuss or whatever? And people are like, well, it's late. Sports is 24-7, man. These guys don't have an off switch. You call them at 2 in the morning, they're going to be up and ready to talk. Right? I just think the mix of trying to leverage the whole family thing and hold the team almost a little hostage. And then given the relationship that him and Shanahan were supposed to have over the nine years or you know, reported to have over the last nine years, sending an email saying you'll hear from my agent and then a new offer coming in. Like to me, that's kind of like, if you're Shanahan, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? It's funny. Cause it's almost like Shanahan was in the Dubas seat and Dubas was in the player seat that it's almost like Dubas negotiated the way his players negotiated with him is what it felt like in a weird way. And the thing I didn't like about Kyle, um, that he did and matt pointed out to it is he played his hand in the public and that drives me nuts the 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 the, one of the things that handcuffed him from the get-go was the statement we can and we will because what happens when you say something like that when he had to sign his three big players is the players now know that you've made a commitment to the public to sign those players so you're fucked because if you don't then you don't then to your fan base you you're not following through on this statement right so they can hold you they can bend you over and and you're you're gonna give in more than you would have because you've you know for all intents and purposes promised to the toronto maple leaf fan base that you're gonna get it done 
You know, it's the same thing like when he said to William Nylander, I'm not going to trade you. What the fuck? Why? Like, <laughs> you can't, you can't do those things. Right? And it's that he did, like, it's the same thing happened to the Leafs. Only Shanahan said, nah, bro. Like, not this time. Like, this organization's not going to get fucked again. And, you know, I don't, like, what's been missing from this organization for three to four years is accountability from top to bottom guys get away with everything they you can't sit there and say matthews marner and Nylander. well not so much Nylander. they didn't bend dubas over backwards they did right matthews got a five-year contract with tons of money he couldn't even give him eight years and and, and dubas took the took the deal dubas had all the leverage in the marner negotiations marner took him for 11 million dollars do you know if they had signed them for the year before, Matthews would have been probably nine million and Marner at seven? You know, on eight-year deals. The, the, it's just it's incredible how, and, and I know we'll talk more about some of the other legacy stuff. But from a negotiation standpoint, I don't think you can argue with me where he did a great job negotiating anywhere. You could say some say Nylander's contract is a beautiful contract. He left it till ten minutes before the fucking deadline. Nylander sat out for a while, didn't he? Yeah, he sat out till December. Dude, it was like two hours before he would have been ineligible. Yeah, like they they got that in right under the wire, um, and that should be the wire that you're attaining for. Like the wire you're attaining for is for him to show up at fucking training camp. Yeah, it should be the start of training camp, or at minimum a weekend, right? You like. Know? Because let's be honest, these guys aren't, it's not the 80s and 90s where you come to training camp to get in shape. You come into training camp to figure out systems, to learn shit, and to kind of get your, get ready up into game speed. Like the half these guys could go with two weeks short of a training camp and they'd be fine, right? Like it's not what it used to be. But yeah, like you shouldn't be striving for, you know, just let's just get it in at the deadline so you can get on the ice this season. Like if you're a general manager, you'd be like, if you go past opening date, you're not like this isn't happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wonder I, if that was like a clear signal to like a flashing light in the face of Brandon Shanahan of like what's been a problem with this team. It comes from the top. Like this attitude that Dubas had of half in, half out, it, 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 it seems a lot like the team on the ice of like. You know, there's there's nights where I feel like these guys are all in. There's nights where I feel like these guys aren't. And like, what's it, happening here? Like, it's accountability. It's it's getting treated and being given leeway. Like, think about, you know, Jack Campbell excluded, right? How many of these guys were ever held accountable? For, how many of them were fucking scared for their job? Never, right? Never. These guys and nope. the way you know. What it comes down to is he couldn't do the thing. If it, if it came to firing Keith, do you honestly believe he would? No. Well, Let, apparently, so it's good you bring that up because James Myrtle, who's editor in chief of the Athletic, I think, um, and who's arguably one of the most well-sourced dudes on the Leafs, he had an article in the Athletic coming out just after this, and. In his article, he says that one of the things um, was that 
they had recommended that change was needed at the end of the season and that Keefe would have been one to go. And apparently Dubas balked at it and they argued. So here's a little snippet from it. And he says reported previously uh, in the aftermath of the least illumination, Shannon Dubas have been at odds for a while. Multiple sources close to the team said that Shanahan blocked transactions that Dubas wanted to make at key points in the past several seasons, creating frustration in parts of the management group. Shanahan had also at times dictated certain moves he wanted Dubas to make that he didn't agree with. So this isn't something that you would be shocked at, that if they're saying new coach, Keith's got to go, you know, um, like we get, yeah, the guys like him and shit like that, but the guys are too comfortable. We don't need a player's coach. We need you know, a firmer hand here. So with that being said, we know Spezza's out as well. And I, I assume that's loyalty to Dubas, which is something that Spezza would do because he's such a nice man. And we know the entire Marley's coaching staff has been let go as well, which may or may not be even related to this situation. I don't think it is related, to be honest. I no. think they're probably going to let yeah. those guys go regardless. I so, think if you let go of GM, you let go your minor league staff because everything kind of flows through there, right? Yeah, I I can see that point as well. Nevertheless, currently, as of recording, uh, Sheldon Keefe is still the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I look at this two ways. One, a new general manager comes in and they keep Sheldon Keefe. And when the Maple Leafs are the worst team in the Atlantic Division in January is when you fire Sheldon Keefe. And you use him as like a get out of jail free card for the it's new general manager. He can say, you know what? Things aren't going right. Let's just get rid of Kyle's guy and I'll bring in Bruce Boudreaux and we'll write the ship and off they go to the playoffs to lose in the first round. And then the other option is new GM comes in, immediately gets rid of Sheldon Keefe and he brings in his own guy. I don't know which I think is going to happen. If I had to bet, I think Sheldon Keith stays as head nope. coach of this team for another year. And the reason why I say that is because this team is still paying for Mike Babcock. They don't so, care. Oh, I think they care. And the fact that the fact that Kyle Dubas asked for $2 million more a year and the team, the team that has all his money in the world said, fuck no. I, and who knows? It may not have been money related at all, but I still think there's people on the board and ownership who looks at that $6 million that they give Mike Babcock every fucking year to do nothing to sit at home and say, we're going to add another coach to this list or another GM. Think about that too, right? Like, are they going to pay him 7 million uh, for five years, 2 million, two years down the line, they fire Kyle Dubas and they're on the hook for the rest of his deal. Like, and that's, so what I've heard, I've heard on the Adam Wild said on the Steve Dangle podcast, both red and blue were against Kyle Dubas extensions when Shanahan went to the board. So when um, you say red and blue, you mean the three-letter and... Uh, Rogers so Abel. Bab- Babcock's contract ended this year. Right, but I don't think they okay, want to but- get themselves in that mess <laughs> again. <laughs> All right, right? We'll, give that, we'll take that $6 million we saved on Babcock. I don't think Sheldon Keefe is making $6 million, but like... But, I, no, I think he's I making like three. But Kyle was... A, I think Kyle's a victim of like literally fuck around and find out now. You know what I mean? Like that's... And I think Keefe... Keith hasn't had the same if I think Keith 
gets the opportunity because like you said i think it's a bullet in the chamber of the next gm also i think they're going to give keith an opportunity at a team where one of those guys isn't there do you know what i mean what is what does keith do with a team that has the pieces that come back in a mitch marner deal right what does keith do in a piece that with a piece that come back in, in a william nylander deal or dare we say the Austin Matthews deal if he has no interest in sticking around. I don't know. You know? And maybe that's it. Maybe the, the GM looks like, okay, I can clean house, but then my new coach is immediately on the clock with the new roster. Or I shake the roster up, give Keith the opportunity, and bring in a new coach after. I think you have more, more flexibility by leaving Keith on and giving him an opportunity with a new look team and you got to believe that the next guy is, is going to be charged with moving one of Nylander or Marner. So, and getting Matthew signed for eight years. You can't get bent over like that again. No. Right. Like another, another half bridge, half long-term deal, like a Matthews ah, five years and we'll see it. It's not, it's not enough. Like the fact that Kyle didn't get eight years out of him in the beginning for ten million. Like McKinnon signed how many years? Was it six? It was six years at like seven million. Seven million, and Matthews took Dubis for almost twelve million for only five years is literally embarrassing for a general manager in this league. And then, and then, not to mention, he gets Marner for almost eleven. With their fucking jersey numbers in their stupid contracts, like that's embarrassing. If you're a co- if you're a GM and allow that kind of childhood shit, and that's what I mean. That's I think Brandon Shanahan was like, "Fuck it, I've had enough with these kids. I work with fucking CM Punk. I work with fucking children." <laughs> so it's it's funny you say that because the start of that murder article, which is actually very 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 good, and I highly recommend people go and read it. He said he said. The view from inside the Maple Leafs house on Friday evening, you just saw how ruthless Brendan Shanahan can be. Good. It's right. about time. Which is, I think, I think, which is... Now, I'm kind of conflicted on this whole situation. Like, I know we're talking about, like, the players and Dubas and blah, blah, blah. I'm conflicted on the whole situation because this just reminds me of the Leafs of, like, 2014, 2015, 2016, right? Where it's just a mess top to bottom. And it's... You know, it's it seems like was change needed? Yes. Was this the way change needed to happen? Probably not. Um, do I feel more comfortable with a new GM versus Dubis? I don't know. Because it's the devil you know thing. Cause like like let's run the list of people that are perceived to be the front runners, mainly Brad Treliving. Would you be guy? Would you guys be okay with him being the GM of this team? I mean, maybe. I'm I don't 50, know. 50. What, I, I'm fifty-fifty. I, I honestly don't know. Like the dude couldn't take it in Calgary. You think he's going to be able to take it here in Toronto? Like he left. Like he wasn't fired. He left. And right. but I feel like there's a lot of shit going on in Calgary. Like in the front. And you don't think there's shit going on like. here? No, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, but point. it's it's different shit, right? And we don't know. Like the fact that they can't get an arena done 
like he's a part of that too you know what i mean like that's got to be extremely frustrating the fact that you're having trouble attracting players you're losing players because of your situation is probably pretty frustrating but like do you want him coming in and the shit you have to deal with is everything that just got left with you with this whole like the core can't get it done and that you're going to be tasked with re-signing austin matthews and rejigging this core and either dealing Nylander or Marner. And you can't take a loss on that trade. And let's be honest, any trade involving Mitch Marner, there's a 90% chance you're coming out losing. I mean, you gotta... You, well, I don't, hmm. well yeah. speaking of trades, James, you compiled a list earlier today of all of the trades, all the significant trades that Kyle Dubas made in his tenure as general manager. Do you want to cherry pick some and see with 2023 eyes, (laughs) was this a good move? And all told, if we look back at all of them, what would we say was the, the passing or failing grade for Kyle Dubas as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs now that it's over? Okay. So first of all, is this pass fail or is it like college? You know, is it 50% you've passed, 50% you fail, or is it like you need a 70 to, to pass this course because we have high expectations? I mean, I think you have to look at it as like the 70% thing because if that if it was like a pass-fail thing just where the majority are weighted to a fail, every GM would probably fail. <laughs> True. Okay, so we're going to assign just wins and losses to each of these trades it's either a dub or a loss and then we'll with, tally them up with and we'll see what the quick percentage one is. or two minute thought on each one and yes. why you think it's a win or a loss not even one or two minutes i'm talking 15 20 seconds um matt so the first one matt martin to the islanders for absolutely nothing so just shed matt martin's contract on july 3rd of 2018 dub or l w you needed to get rid of matt martin yeah okay he was a hole in your lineup cool uh, then Carl Grundstrom and Sean Dersey and a first for Jake Muzzin, January 28th, 2019. In hindsight, it's a fail. I mean, in the immediate, immediate aftermath, it was a win. But if you look now, Dersey's a top pairing defenseman for them. Grundstrom is playing on their third line, and it's a first round pick. For a guy that's probably not going to play here again. Yep. I, I still give him a pass on that one because at the time when the trade happened, it made a lot of sense. It's okay, so we have to kind of take the hindsight out of it. Yeah. Well, I, no, I think it's, hindsight, it's hindsight helps context. in the conversation, but I'm, I'm willing to give... If I'm on the fence, I'm going to lean towards... I would make that trade. I would make that trade 100 times Okay, so then if I'm taking hindsight out of it, yes, because it gave them an immediate need for a couple years. All right. Uh, 2026th, we got for Patrick Marlowe and a 2021st on june 22nd 2019. Sorry, say that again That's so we got we traded marlow and a first for oh. a sixth on june 22nd 2019. i call this a w because marlow's contract wasn't his fault he didn't sign that deal no i agree you know like and there was six million deal, and the everyone books. knew he wasn't playing at the lifetime of that deal here and to be clear marlo's cap hit was 6.25 million just so we're that's what i'm saying i know a lot of people may not remember that another three years right well no that was the final year he had one more year only one more year 
It was the final year of the deal when Marlowe was moved, and it was 6.25 against the cap. I don't remember how much the cash was. I think he may have been getting less than like the 6.25. It might have been front-loaded, but nevertheless, it was $6 million against the cap. And this was in 2019. I'll call it a W. Although, for one more year, I kind of feel like it should be an L, but... Yeah. When did John Tavares sign? Uh, I like how we're all like, yeah, we're all thinking about it. I don't honestly, I don't know. I, I know oh, Matthews I signed his extension during that season, like in the 2019 season. So Tavares so, has two more years left. And so, it was a seven year deal. So it was five years ago. Yep. So he's got 2023, 2024, and 2024, 2025 okay. less. All right. So I guess they needed that money to make So without other the Marlowe trade, you probably don't have the money for awesome Matthews. Matthews. Okay. So we got So call that's it a something dub. you have to keep in mind. Call it a dub. Uh, the next one in July of 2019, Cody CC, Ben Harper, and Luchuk come here. Oh, and a 2023 for Connor Brown. Nikita Zaitsev and Michael Michael Carcone or Carconi. I, I call that W because you got you shed that terrible Zaitsev contract for one year of Cody CC. That alone makes it a well, W. The trade's a W. The fact that Cody CC was an RFA and he didn't have to sign him for four and a half million dollars that year was that's the that's the L. He could have let Cody CC yeah. walk for nothing. And that's the what addendum done. to that deal is an L. Yeah. And an now Cody sees an asterisk L ripped in Edmonton. <laughs> an asterisk L. Dustin. I think this deal wasn't about bringing in Cody CC, although he's the biggest name the Maple Leafs acquired in this trade. The headline of this deal was getting rid of Nikita Zaitsev. And they basically paid cost Connor them, Brown to do it. It cost them Connor Brown, yeah. It's similar so, to paying that first round pick to get rid of Marlowe's contract. And he didn't sign that Zaitsev deal either, so. No, that was Lou Lamorello, Louis Lambs. Yo, and all these people saying, oh, we'd be better with Lou. Like, no. pump the brakes, man. Take a look at some of yeah. these contracts. Um, Jack so, yeah, Campbell. W there again. Like, And we haven't had an L yet. No. So this is all when he took over the team in the first season, 2018, 2019, when he was 28 years old, 29 years old, whatever. So, I, well, he so far. 32. 32. Oh, he's, math is hard. He started as an AGM at 28. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jack Campbell and Kyra Clifford come here for Trevor Moore, uh, 2023 third and a 2021 third. Sorry, you're muted, Dustin. Yeah, you're muted. I pressed the mute button to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, you missed the big one there. Uh, July 1st, 2019. Oh, it's missing. What There's was that? There's two trades on July 1st, 2019. Okay, what was that? Do you have it or should I just tell you what it is? You go for it because I, I seem to be missing it. This was the big one because it was to the Maple Leafs, Tyson Berry at 50% retained. Alexander Kerfoot as well. Oh, Going to the Colorado it. Avalanche was Callie Rosen and Nazem Kadri. So, so if you remember, this was after Kadri twice had been suspended in the playoffs when they really needed Nazem Kadri on the ice. And something with the team needed to change. And unfortunately, Nazem Kadri was the guy that was chosen to go. Tyson Berry came back to hopefully add some grit on the blue line. And 
Alice Kerfoot, for the shit he gets, has been a useful player. Yes. I mean, hindsight says it's an L. Um, I mean, the cup alone says it is. Granted, we got Callie Rosen back in, I think, waivers. I'm calling it an L. I I I would too, because... I think what we're saying is what this team missed from now until then, and even now, where the talk is Tavares is not a center, needs to be a winger, we're down a second-line center. Yeah. I would say this team looks very different if Kadri's still on it, and you don't, I guess, suffer the grit issue as much. Um, I, I would say it's an L strictly because like I said, you can coach the attitude, right? You can't coach what Kadri brought as a player. And apparently you can I agree. It's Tyson this is a, a big L for me. Um, I feel like it's not quite to the effect of Matt Sundin, but similar in that ever since Matt's left, they were constantly searching for that top center ever since Kadri left. They've been constantly searching for another player down the middle who brings what Kadri brings. And those guys don't grow on trees. No. Definitely agree. Next one, Jim. Uh, Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford come here for Trevor Moore, a 2023rd and a 2021 third on February 5th, 2020. Uh, Trevor Moore scored some big goals from for LA. Yeah. But and I mean I was it <sighs> at the time. W. I, I, I even looking at it now, I say W. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I probably would have made that trade straight up Trevor Moore for Kyle Clifford at the time because the Maple Leafs needed some grit. Yeah. And Clifford at 50% retained too. So Jack Campbell, like, I know we like to poke fun at Jack Campbell in Edmonton, but he was a solid goaltender for the Maple Leafs. Should he ever have been a number one goaltender anywhere ever? No. But in the, in the position he was put in in the Maple Leafs, he succeeded. Yep. The, the other. Big uh, L coming for sure. On February 19th, 2020, Dennis Mulligan oh is acquired boy. for Mason Marchman. L. Probably the biggest fuck. L. The biggest this, mis- this is a, misfire. Yeah, this is a huge L. I don't understand what Dennis Mulligan has on Kyle Dubas. What it is he sees in Dennis Mulligan, why this guy continually gets opportunities with this team, and they have to give up Mason Marchman for it. Fuck Confirmed this Dennis Mulligan. Confirmed Dennis Mulgan, uh Penguin in 2024. Um, <laughs> think how nicely that third line would look right now with Mason Marchman on the way. Just with Nazem I know, Kadri. I know he had a. Oof, I know he had a down. Ugh, don't you say that. I know he had a down year, but ugh. Um, April 11th, uh, 2021, we acquired Nick Foligno and Stefan Nason or Nosen for a 2021 first and a 2022 fourth. I mean. Again, if taking hindsight out of it, that's a W. It's okay, here's for me. At the time, no I was like, one oh, knew man. that Stefan Nason was going to be as good of a player as he is currently right now for the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, no one saw that coming. The guy was, he was like 30 years old, and he's like barely played NHL games until the past season or two. So when the Maple Leafs acquired him in 2021, he was already an, an old man by standards of prospects. So I can't really fault them for that. And I feel like mm, April of 2021, we were not on this podcast yet. But if we were, I bet we would have been very thrilled with bringing in Nick Felino. So I'm going to say that was a W. Yeah. 
Uh, Jared McCann for Philip Hollander. We gave Philip Hollander to the Penguins. Uh, and a 2023 seventh in July 17th of 2021. There's that TikTok video going around where Shanahan says to Dubis, if we like, if we break this down, we're basically trading Philip Hollander to keep Alex Kerfoot. And there's like dead silence there. And I feel like this. I'm going to call this in a weird way an L, but only because they should have fucking kept Jared McCann. I the mean, entire, it's that's crazy also when, hindsight, though, right? Like, it's crazy when the entire. I don't think it was hindsight, though, because James called it. Like, he, when this happened, I remember James saying to us, what, what are they doing? Like, why aren't they keeping McCann? McCann's the guy that should be keeping. He's, they're talking about centers and second power play guy. Like, the guy was 20-something goals in Pittsburgh and on the second, play power, second power play unit scoring goals. This team can't score outside of the first power play if the first power play even scores. Like, he was exactly what this team needed, secondary scoring. Right, and, but no one saw him being a 40-goal scorer. Let he's 40 because he's the not. guy in Seattle. He would have been 25 to 30 here, I firmly believe. And it's very rare that the entire Leafs nation goes, what are you doing? And that's what happened. But again, so, like at the same time, though, is if he goes out over to Seattle and he scores 15 goals and he's on the third line and not doing anything, no one even bats an eye, right? Sure, but well, that yeah. Didn't if someone happen. scores twenty-five less goals than they scored, people yeah. don't like them as much. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is like the prediction that seeing him being like he's a forty-goal scorer, we should have kept him. The, no, the I most diehard of a, hockey fan no, could not have picked that. That's how I would have wanted him at twenty-five goals. Would you have wanted him at twenty over yes, Kerfoot? A hundred percent. Because he would have because played at that point, if he's player. only scoring twenty goals, he's probably a similar player to Kerfoot in your lineup. Right, but with more potential because he's going to play second power play. And well, mm, I don't know how much money he's making at the time, but I imagine he's probably less of a cap hit than Kerfoot. He's not now, but no, no. at the time he might have been. I think I he's think like he's five and a half, four and a half. Well, yeah. four. He, he's on a sweetheart deal too. Um, but W at the time because they should have just kept him. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fail him for the lack of exposure in the draft. At the time, it was a creative move to keep your team together. So. Mm-hmm. As much as I like to point at this one and say, you, you fucked up, kid, I think he did the right thing at the right time. Yep. Um, then on February 19th, 2022, we acquired Ryan Dezingle and Ilya Labushkin for Nick Ritchie, 2025 second. That's a big dub. Dub. Huge, huge W. Ritchie, Ritchie had to get terrible. the fuck out of here as soon as possible. Yep. Yeah. Like, sucks that it didn't work out because he's what we all wanted in a player uh-huh. and a winger, but... Like sometimes it just doesn't work out, and I so, was screaming for the Leafs to draft Nick Ritchie when so that draft right. came around. Everybody was, and then we got Nylander. So, we were like, "Fuck!" And, and that's why we're not general managers of hockey teams, right? Uh, Geo and Blackwell we acquired for a 2022 second and a 2023 second and a 2024 third on March w. 20th, 2022. Big dub. Yep, Gio's I got a agree. Giordano jersey. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Giordano. Okay, here's where this one's a certified L. We acquired a 2022 second for Peter Morazic and a 2022 first because for some reason Kyle Dubas thought to sign Peter Morazic for a three-year deal at three and a half million dollars. So I think we have to look at it. What I'm seeing the trend is is the trades weren't the issue. Some of the signings were the issue. 
So yes. far, you're right. But keep in mind, a lot of the trades, like the the Zaitsev trade, the Marlowe trade, um, I feel like there's someone I'm missing as well. That was cleaning up Lou Lamorello's bad signings. Mm-hmm. So you're right. right. A lot of these trades are because of bad signings. Mm-hmm. But I think now as we get into some of these trades, we're going to see the bad signings of Kyle Dubas. Right. Uh, this being the first glaring example of Peter Morazic should not have been signed so, to fucking anything. Like you said. Cody Cece should not have been signed. Peter Morazic should not have been signed. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. You could argue that some of the contracts, like we had said earlier, that he gave Pierre Matthews Engel. Marner shouldn't have been signed in that way. We do have a list of all the signings he's made. I don't know if James, that's what you're pulling up now, but um, yeah, there's probably a whole bunch that we could go through as well. Oh, dude, you, of... you read some of these signings and you're like, what are you, what is happening? Like, okay, we'll talk about that quickly after because I think there's a bigger picture we can talk about that instead of each signing. Um, yeah. I'm calling it an L because he's cleaning up his own mess. And if we gave him W's for doing the same thing to clean up someone else's mess, if he's cleaning up his own mess, that's an L. And by cleaning up your mess, he's giving out a first round pick. That's what I no, mean, it's, right? it's a it's a low first round pick. Which no 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 no. Overall, Do you know who that but... is? Do you know who that is? Oh no wait, wrong wrong trade. It was Seth Jarvis Samarin that Zell. was the Marlo. <laughs> Seth Jarvis was the Marlowe trade, which is kind of a bum. Bummer. Seth Jarvis not a bum. Um, we acquired Ryan O'Reilly this February. Big W. Yeah, uh, we we talked about it on this show. I think we all were happy with it, and we were all very much okay with the price that was paid. Did we give a, a, our first this year, Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, a, th- a second and a third. And it's, we got I mean, Nola, it's a lot. Don't get me and wrong. Achari, but, and we got Nolachari. And Achari, yeah, that's, that's a good good point to bring up, that that trade also brought Nolachari, who may, you know what, both Achari and Ryan O'Reilly may have played their last game as a Maple Leaf. But. O'Reilly more likely than Achari. It seems like Achari has said he would like to re-sign here. Like, if it was presented to him and it's offered, he would. But, again, this is the thing is, how do guys feel wanting to re-sign here at the moment with so much turmoil and shit going on? You know, like that's what makes me afraid with the Austin Matthews extension looming is, you know, he wants to get it done. But did he want to get it done with Dubas? Now is he just like, fuck this. My thing is, if you want to get signed to a place because the fucking GM, go fuck yourself. Leave. I don't care. Like, you want to Mm. play with the team or you don't. Um, And that's been the problem, I think. Um, Then we get McCabe and Lafferty for Joey Anderson, Pavel Goglev, a 2025 first. Absolute W. Big dub. Both these guys 100%. here are here long term. Well, not long term, yep. but longer. Well, McCabe's got two years at two something. I forgot there was a first round pick involved in this trade, but I'm still okay with it. Both McCabe yeah. and Lafferty, yeah, like you said, are long term, so I'm okay with this. And it's a it's a conditional uh, first, by the way. Um, it looks like what's the conditions on the first? It's top ten protected, so they get their first. Yep. Um, Gustafson for Sandine and a first. Uh, I mean, I the, getting a the first amount back, that you played Gustafson. Getting yeah, getting well, a to first. Be, to be fair, the amount they played Sandine. <laughs> getting a first back, I think, is kind of a dub. Yeah, yeah. The fact I mean, that you got a first and a like type player that, yeah. Yeah, considering how many draft picks Dubis moved in this 
uh, like we're still in the same trade deadline. Like all these trades from Ryan O'Reilly, like it's all the same trade deadline. So the amount of picks that he moved out, it was good to get a first round pick back. Yeah. Uh, and we got a 2024 third back for Pierre Engvall, which again, I'll call a W, but also this fucking guy made two and a half million dollars here. So again, That's we'll talk about that. Right? We'll talk about that after. That's a good point. Dub, dub on the trade. And then it's Shen for a third. Obviously, I think everyone says that's a dub. I mean, it's pretty clear from... I mean, we don't even have to do the math. There's one, two, three L's in that whole list that we, we consensus had L's on. I think his his trades, you know, looking at them at face value, were, like, from that standpoint, he's very good. What I would say on the signings piece that I was alluding to is that, again... This is where the dude didn't have the nutsack to do what was necessary. And that's the problem. He gave Pierre Engvall $2.5 million. He gave Cody Cece $4.5 million. He gave Peter Mrazek $3.5 million. And term. You know, it was just, there were some things that you, there were, while there were great things, there were a lot of head scratchers. And... You know, and maybe that's why guys want to play for this GM is because he just fucking hands out candy. Like, he's like the rich house on Halloween. He gives away the big chocolate bars. Do you know what I mean? Like, and again, if that's why you want to play here, if Matthews doesn't want to play here because he's not going to get Prince treatment from uh, Kyle Dubit, get the fuck out, dude. I don't care who you are. If you, that's the problem with this team. If you don't want to play for the for the the Maple Leaf on the front of your jersey, if you want to play for Kyle Dubas and not the Toronto, this isn't the, the Toronto Kyle Dubases, right? It's not. So if if the only way you're going to sign here is with that guy, pound salt, bro. Dead serious. It shows in the playoffs. If that's why if that's why you're here, if it's for if you don't want to play for the team, you don't want to win a championship. Sayonara. Hasta la vista. I don't know any other languages. Au revoir. I, I I agree that if you look at the sum total of Kyle Dubas's trades, which we just all went through, the vast majority of the big trades, he won far more than he lost. And I don't know if it's worth going through all the signings as well. I feel like the I think the general theme that we're driving at here is that Kyle Dubas did a good job. I, I don't think that's unreasonable to say and i i think and it's also interesting that like he did it at a young age like that's unheard of of guys in his age group from his 20s to his 30s being in this position and honestly succeeding he did a good did he win a stanley cup no only one team 31 other teams are not gonna win a cup this year the problem with kyle dubas is he thought and this is me speculating my, okay, let me rephrase. My opinion of the problem with Kyle Dubas is he either thought one of two things. One, he thought the game had changed much more than it had. And his focus on speed and skill left out physicality, which every team, including the Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, the Vegas Golden Knights, Dallas Stars, they all have a certain level of physicality and will that you can't find on an analytic sheet. And so he either thought that the game had changed beyond that, or through hubris, 
he thought he could change the game. And I don't know that either of those things were true. And I think he realized either through Shanahan forcing, again, we don't know how Shanahan influenced trades, which way or another, whether it's Shanahan forcing him to acquire guys like that or him realizing too late, it's just too little too late. I think that's an excellent point. And maybe something that we also need to identify that we'll probably never be able to identify is how many of the moves that were made was that Shanahan telling him to do it or Shanahan telling him not to do it. Right. And that's, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to some of those questions, right? Uh, we look at, you know, I always like to give Kyle Dubas shit about Dennis Mulgan. Maybe he's a Shanahan guy. You know, like maybe he's like Shanahan keeps telling him, hey, bring back this Mulgan guy. I see something in this guy. Um, I think a lot of things need to change with this team. And I don't necessarily think Kyle Dubas was the problem. But regardless, someone else is now going to figure this shit out. And oh, yeah. I don't know who that's going to be. Right now it's Brendan Pridham who is acting as the general manager. He has not been officially named the interim general manager as of time of recording. Or just general manager. I don't know if they can give him the interim tag. But man, they got some stuff to figure out. I just, and you got to figure out quick. Like, I go back and I just think, at this point, if you're changing the GM with everything that you've done, you're doing top to bottom. Like, I know you guys had said about Sheldon Keefe and shit, but something that just screams that they're just going to say, we want full change. If, if Shanahan wanted Keefe gone already at the end of the season, and that was something that they argued, then I, I would say that a new GM would probably come in and just say, we're just going to start fresh. Does Keefe change? Does Keefe treat the well, Actually, before I ask this question, I'm going to say, Dustin, you said something that is very poignant, but I want to make an addendum to it. Kyle Dubas wasn't the problem, but I don't think he was the answer either. And I think, I think that's part of the issue is that, again, you're neither here nor there, and it's just not enough for this franchise. Um, does Sheldon Keefe treat the players different with a different GM? Does he become not a player's coach? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think I think because that's what's got him there, regardless of of who the new GM is. I don't think you can completely change up your who you are as a coach just because of that. And I mean, there's yes, his playoff results aren't the best, but his season results are fantastic. He's one of the winningest percentage coaches of all time. Right. So I would say that the issue isn't Keith as a coach inherently. I think the issue is he's taken this team as far as they can go, whether that's him learning and growing as a lot of coaches do over time. It's likely somewhere else. And I think you at this point, you need a coach who's been there and done it to get this team further. Now, who is that? I mean, there's candidates out there, whether people agree with them or not. There's talk that Quenville's intrigued by it, but do the Leafs do that? Dude, give it everything. No. Today, Steve, fuck, dude, for a second here, fuck Steve Simmons, okay? Today, fuck the dude, uh, I can't, I gotta, mm, uh I gotta pull it up. And I don't know if you guys wanna talk about something until I pull it up, but um, this guy, 
I do um, think at some point Quenville does get back. I just think that given the the nature of everything going on with this team and how recent it's been, I don't think it would be a good fit here. I mean, if not, if all the shit didn't happen, yeah, I think he'd be a great coach here. But given everything, I just don't think it would be the right choice morally at the time. Now, so I gotta, uh, I gotta, you oh, I gotta find it. Um, dude, I'm, yeah, I'm like, ready to, yeah, dude, I know I'm already ready to, to throw Steve Simmons, um, into moving traffic, but this, okay. So he says this and that the best available general manager not working is Stan Bowman. The best available coach is Joel Quenville. Neither has been approved to return to the NHL. Both want to return. Would a politically correct semi-woke company such as Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment ever consider either of these men pushed out because of the Kyle Beach investigation? I would certainly consider it. Fuck you, Steve I mean, Simmons. you could... I get what he's saying, but at the same time, the way he said it is just very like, no. I know better than everyone else. Fuck that guy. The guy's covered up a sexual assault. Yeah. They let it happen. Fuck you. Some things are bigger than... Than a Stanley Cup, buddy. <laughs> like that's that's potentially two kids' lives, if, if not more, because that that moron got left to continue to work, and apparently they wrote him a letter of recommendation. No, I agree. So fuck those two. You know, you know. But if if we're talking about controversial cho- coaches for the Toronto Maple Leafs, dude, give me John Tortorella. Give no, me John Tortorella in this team. I just, I just want to, I, I want a coach who doesn't give a shit who these players are. You're Austin who? I don't give a fuck. That's what well, I could want. Could you imagine him taking a question from Steve Simmons? Oh, dude. I know people hate Tortorella. And to a degree, like, do I really want him here? Probably not. But man, I just want someone to beat some sense into these children is what I want. And he's the guy to do it. Everyone says he's there to turn the culture around on a team, right? He comes in places. He works there two to three years, cleans up their act, and then he leaves. You know? I just, I, I know I know what you're saying in terms of a coach coming in to slap these guys around. But, like, who would do that? Because you know Boudreaux's not the guy to do it. He won't. No. I don't know. That's I mean, what I mean. I don't know who it is. I don't remember how, what Alan Vigneault coached like. Like, I don't have enough of a memory of his coaching. Uh, dude, Patrick Waugh, wouldn't that be crazy? Can you imagine? He'd never do it. No, I know he wouldn't, but could you imagine? Deesh. Imagine? Sounds like uh, they need Mike Babcock. <laughs> no, fuck that. I, they, they need someone to smack them around in the right way. He did it the wrong way. He did it the piece of shit way. You need someone to do it in the honest, upfront, like, work or get the fuck off the ice way. Uh, is famous for saying either you block shots or you don't play. Like that's that's his his gimmick, right? Um, I know some people will say, "Oh, they should bring in both Mark Hunter and and Dale Hunter." Buddy, Mark Hunter doesn't have have a job. Like no one hired him for a reason, right? Like, he was so good, he would have had a job. Yeah, I just I just don't see who like. And this is the thing is what bugs me about hockey is anyone that is out there is someone that's been on another team that has failed. Do you know what I mean? For sure. That's the hard part about this is trying to find someone who's 
the right person for the job. <laughs> they, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, it's going to be a tough decision. And I hope they have some ideas, but wouldn't it be crazy if like, if this was last year, it's so much easier just from the coaching point of view, because you have Pete DeBoer, you've got Bruce Cassidy, you've got John Hines, you have all these guys who are proven coaches to be successful with teams in deep runs and shit like that. And it's like, I don't know. So I'm saying you may see Sheldon Keith for a little while longer. We will have to wait and see. Um, we should move on. Uh, Speaking of coaching, though, John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, I have been questioning over the past couple of games. Um, obviously, the most glaring one was his you know, snafu with Alec Manoa the other night. And James, you were there for that game, right? Yeah, we had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> and then there was the situation with Felix Bautista who was like, I don't know if you saw that in extra innings where Bautista was just staring down whoever was standing at second base and like waiting for the clock to get to like zero and he threw his pitch every single pitch. And it was, it's just crazy to me when the broadcast, when Buck Martinez and Dan Schulman are clearly seeing something that the manager should be worried about and hasn't done anything about it. When a pitcher is staring at you for that long and every single time right after that he comes to the plate, someone needs to relay a message and say, the second he turns his head, fucking take off. Run. 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 Steal, steal him blind. He is not going to throw over. And how about the manager alerts the team, hey, uh, Bautista just pitched to five of our guys or six of his, our guys, whatever the case. Every single pitch of the at-bat was a high fastball. Every single pitch but no one decided to relay that message to the rest of the team they all struck out now it's not entirely on john schneider i'm sure that's also on your batting coach and that's on your your players as well but the glaring one was with alec manoa where he came out for a second mound visit and didn't know the rules of baseball that indicated that you can't do that unless you're changing your pitcher and you have to remove manoa from the game early it's things like this that are adding up, and it's making me question whether John Schneider is fit for this job. I like John Schneider. I really do like him, and I think he's a, a valuable asset to the team. But I don't know if this is the right spot for him. And I wonder, with the hiring of Don Mattingly, if he's long for this world. He, he has the exact demeanor that I would want from a manager on this team. He's got a little bit of... He's calm. He's got a little bit of swagger, a little bit of fuck you. Like when he was like, what is he telling Aaron Boone? Sit down, fatty. <laughs> like that, or whatever. That was also really weird. <laughs> or fuck you, fatty. Like, uh, that's great, but weird, but great. Um, so I think his his presence and his demeanor, the last few games has definitely made me question his focus. And I don't know. I don't know if it's because the Blue Jays are going through a lot of weird shit right now. They, they can't get... They can't keep a lead. They can't get timely hits. They're they're just they seem to be in a little bit of disarray. They their left-handed bats can't hit for average. Um, you know, we kind of knew that going into the season, though. <laughs> like well, yeah. your left-handed bats, are like Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho. Like eh. yeah, and you know, Whit Merrifield can switch. Um, 
you know, I wonder if just through his head right now, I, I wonder if he's a little out over his skis in terms of what he was prepared to manage. I think this is, and don't, I, I fully thought he deserved the opportunity. I still think in this moment he did and does. I think in the next two to three weeks, if things don't turn around, if you keep losing to the AL East this way, like you can't. You can't get pasted by the AL East this bad. It, you're just you're not gonna have you're not gonna be successful, and they have to find a way. And they're getting some quality pitching. Like Manoa was starting to turn it around that game. I thought he, he looked a little shaky in the first two innings. Settled himself down. Turned had a good back end of his start, and then Schneider fucked it up with the mound visit. Gosman has been pretty fantastic. Chris Bass has been one of the best players Chris, in the league. Chris Bassett has been fantastic and we're wasting these performances and uh, from starting pitching and you can't, you cannot waste performances starting pitching in this league. It's so hard to get good starting pitching. So when you're, when you're wasting them and miss it's just bad news. They currently sit last place in the AL East. Now a record of 25 and 22. So still above 500. And they would be the number one team in the AL Central and NL Central. So let's let's also consider Dude. all these things. And with the schedule the way it is this year, you're going to play a lot less games against the AL East. Than the worst, before. the worst team in the AL East is the, is the Red Sox. Like when you're assessing on-field talent, what the Jays have to think about is going forward. The teams that they're competing with are only going to get better, and they're all super fucking young, right? Like, even the Yankees, right? Because behind guys like Stanton and Judge, and Judge is still kind of young, right? They have, Anthony Vol- they have Anthony Volpe, Jason Dominguez, or Jason Dominguez, and then Spencer Jones eventually. Like They have young guys coming through the system that are going to be top tier. You look at the, the Orioles, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday, Santander, like they're like Mountcastle, guys are coming through the system. You look at the Rays always have guys through the system. It doesn't matter. Uh Wander, Randy, it's just guy after guy after guy, right? Um and then the Jays. And that's where I'm a little a little bit afraid for the Jays. Cause they, they took swings at these guys and they're giving up young prospects. I don't know, man. I think it's going to get continuously more competitive with younger guys who are going to be on these teams with term, and the Jays are going to be in a spot where it's not as well-rounded. Like, what if they don't sign Matt Chapman? I don't think they are. I think this is the last season of Matt Chapman. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. Why? I... I don't know. I feel like it's always the case with the Blue Jays. You'll get this guy who has a good year here, and then he'll sign somewhere else. Oh, Matt Chapman, future third baseman for the Texas Rangers, New York, and New York Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so, like, they at some point they got to find space for guys like Orelvis and you know other guys that Otto Lopez as well. Otto but, Lopez. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think Chapman probably moves on next year, and you have. Lopez start at third base next year or Martinez, whomever. Yeah. I'm just, and I don't know if Schneider's prepared for all of this. Do you know what I mean? 
I don't think they I don't think they envisioned it going south the way it has, and I don't know if he can figure it out. I, I saw it the other day that uh <laughs> Lourdes Gurriel is hitting three oh seven. I'm like, oh great. <laughs> for now. You'd have like the highest batting average on this team. Great. Yeah, for now. <laughs> we all know how for that now, ends. Yeah, I'm sure it all, it'll all come out in the wash at the end. We've seen that story end. You know. But Maddie Maddie called that he wasn't comfortable with Schneider. I don't know if if this validates you or like your feelings or do you do you feel comfortable knowing that Mattingly's in the in the background? I mean, I just I think with how much is on pressure is on this team and how much expectation there was with this team, especially after these signings and some of the shit that went on last year. I just I don't know why they felt they saw enough in half a season or a quarter of a season in Schneider to say, yeah, you're our manager moving forward. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just, I think we saw a lot of the shit that has occurred last year as well. Just like, but a lot of people gave him the pass because they just hated Montoyo. They were, you know, some questionable decisions. And you're like, well, yeah, like, you know, every guy has that. But now we're seeing it pretty consistently. That's a good point. You know, so can we say, well, maybe he was just caught off guard and he's trying to play catch up and it's managerial and he, you know, the first shot at it and he's kind of, you know, waiting his way through it last year. I mean, you could have, but now it's, it's one of those things where it's apparent that this is just who he is. I, so, yeah. I mean, I thought Mattingly being there would, would, I mean, you, you don't think Mattingly's not holding, like, I can't be, I know Schneider's going out to the mound and like, oh, that's his fuck up. But like, nobody else in the dugout was like, no, <laughs> like, like at his ankles. Like, to me, that's an everybody thing too, a little bit. Like, that's like, why were people not holding him back or saying, hey, man, you know, if you go out there, like if I'm taking steps onto the field, I'm like, hey, oh, you know, like if I if I know that, and that is a new rule, so it could be, yeah, you know, it's just something to keep your eye on. Like I think Schneider deserves a bit more spotlight on him, just based on some of the decisions he's made recently. But to be fair, we are thirty percent of the way through this season. So I also just want to say, if the Jays are looking at making some moves and acquiring people. Um, I mean, they're not considered the best character right now, but there's two players out in Chicago that very clearly hate it there, and Tim Anderson and, and Lou Bob, Louis Robert. I don't know if you <laughs> did you see the clip of Tim Anderson getting a single or getting walked or something, and he was he they're playing the White Sox were playing Houston, and Jose Abreu, his old teammate, was on first, and you can visibly see Tim Anderson say to Jose Abreu, "I fucking hate it here." <laughs> for Chicago. Oh man. Well, so oh, Timmy Anderson would be an upgrade from Bo Bichette at short, but they're not moving Bo out of short. Even though <laughs> I was playing this uh gold gold players only mode in MLB the show. And I'm just setting my lineup with all my gold players and like it it gives you a roster like your best roster based on the cards you have would be this and yeah, going through and making changes. And I'm looking at Bo Bichette at shortstop, I'm like he has 50 fielding. 50 out of 100 as a shortstop. I'm like, I am taking Bobichette out of this fucking lineup right now. 
it's and i can do that because it's a video game but dude yeah. it's i know people complain about their ratings and like it is a video game but when you watch <laughs> when you watch the guy play the field i'm like this guy's a 50 <laughs> you know yeah it's it's so unfortunate because he's the best offensive player all around maybe in the league defensively like maddie's pointed out maybe league average and that 50 i feel like is very accurate in terms of every time Bo fields a ball i'm thinking in my head there's a 50 50 chance he's going to miss first base <laughs> you never know what's going to happen when this guy picks up and a baseball the league average stats also don't take into account plays that cost the team the game and yeah. i would say that he's made a number of plays that end up costing the team a game so i don't know. i mean i don't again i don't think schneider's that's that's a tough tough spot to be in and i think we've said this before i think the jays were at a spot where they needed a guy who was ready to win or a guy who maybe has one or a guy who's you know the, the they needed a gamer not just in the the team but they needed a gamer coach and i don't know that they got one manager sorry it's not a coach it's a manager well it sounds like the maple Leafs and the blue jays are looking for the same thing right now Maybe they'll find it in the next couple of weeks. But for right now, I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his wonderful run in WWE. I'm going to go first. You. Um, as I mentioned, I saw Fast 10 this weekend. I actually saw it today. And I want to give a shout out to Brie Larson because she is awesome in everything. I don't know if there's anything that I've seen Brie Larson in that she's not great. And she's really cool. And I follow her on her YouTube channel and she's just really cool. So I like Brie Larson. You love her she's as an au pair, don't you? Au pair! <laughs> the au pair. <laughs> That's a joke uh, a lot of people may not get if you haven't seen the league. Um, she gets but you a lot should. It's a very good show. on Disney+. Plus. Go watch it. She gets a lot of undue basement-dwelling nerd hate, yeah. which is weird. You know, um, it's it's the, 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 for lack of a better term, the incels. It is. It's an incel Larson. movement. And, and she's won an Academy Award, so. Yeah. They can yeah, I think she, yeah, eat yeah, shit. I think oh. she knows what she's doing. Jim. Yeah. Oh, Jim. okay. Whomever. <laughs> Jim, go nuts. Um... My shout out is to one Michael Brock from the PGA Championship. Dustin, if you don't know, Michael Brock is a PGA um, pro, which means he basically works for the PGA and they help like train people and cultivate the the sport at different clubs. So he's a club pro, basically, right? Um, and he he's in the PGA Championship this year. He's a, he could make the top ten. Is it? Did he make the top ten? I'm pretty sure he did. I gotta, I gotta see. Um, but if he makes the top ten, he qualifies for a bunch of other tournaments. Um, but what I'm gonna give him a shout out, and he was paired with Rory McIlroy this week, which he was like, he was like, this is amazing. Um, he scored a, a hole in one today. That yep. he swished it, dude. Uh, it was like it didn't roll in the cup. It didn't hit the flag. It didn't hit the pin. Nothing. It just went bang right in the hole. Um, and even like Rory was like 
fuck yeah. And, you know, all the golfers are saying, like, this guy's one of us. He did a press conference saying, you know, nobody loves golf more than me. I love it. When I was young, I woke up at 6.30 and watched the European tour because I just love golf. Um, and it's really cool to see, you know, when I was like, when we we're talking about how, like, people just want to see old guys succeed. It's like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, this guy just has a story. Like, they, uh, and it's cool to see someone who's that passionate. Dude, if the, <laughs> if the Leafs had half this guy's passion for golf, uh, they would be in a good spot. Um, you just want to see... He finished 15th. Oh, I think he still qualifies for something. He qualifies for the RBC Canadian Open, I believe. So I imagine he'll be there because, you know, if you go from 40 grand a year to making money, uh, I think that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But hope, hopefully we'll see more uh, of that too because I think people like those kinds of stories. So shout out to Michael Brock. Club Pro doing some big yep. tings in the PGA Championship. Yeah, he is the... What's it called? Um, Aren something? I can't even pronounce what the course is. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's like the PGA pro at Arroyo. Arroyo, that's it. Southern California. So, he's 46 years old. Good on the guy, man. Yeah. Man. Um, my shout out is to Matthew Kachuk because that dude is absolutely winning the cup with the Panthers. I'll say it now. Panthers are winning the cup. And that Selly at the end of his second overtime winner just gets off the ice and let's go home, boys. No one they're going up Florida to nothing. And also, so that's Selly alone, but also to score a fourth OT winner, like you just played two games. He and you him. still have it in you to net that puck. Man. See, it's him, dude. The the Selly dude the Selly was good not only because he was like let's go home they went home like they they went he did you see it Dustin did you see the clip I did yeah that's the best he literally scored and went off the ice through the side door he's like we're going he left he left out the back door it's like winning a, sh- a championship like Alex Shelley and leaving out the back door he just he, fucking force gumped it yeah it was amazing speaking of no. though. Like that's a great shout out, but I want to give a side shout out based on yours to one Himothy Butler for the Miami Heat, who is just tearing everything oh. up in the sport of basketball. He is they're up to nothing. Have they played tonight? They're up to nothing on the Celtics. Um and I'm still and everything I've seen, video evidence, I'm ninety-eight percent convinced that he is Michael Jordan's son. Um and you know, it's good to see Kyle Lowry happy enjoying his time he was great here and i think jimmy butler's just been incredible well shout out to them and shout out to all of you for listening to another episode of 43.6 which of course is brought to you by now your treasures we'll see you next week and until then take care of yourselves and each other the sprayer salute